Well, happy Sunday, OCC family, and welcome to all of our friends who are joining us online this weekend. I want to thank you for listening into the podcast and for worshiping with us online. Uh, We're really excited that you're doing so. Well, we are in the last week of our summer series, Summer in the Psalms. And over the past two months, we've been spending some intentional time as a church family in the first book of Psalms, which is Psalms 1 through 41. Now remember, we don't study the book of Psalms in the same way we might study other books in the Bible. The Psalms are meant to be read devotionally, prayed during all seasons of life, and they're meant to be sung by the church as we worship God for who he is. So I hope this series has encouraged you to be in God's word more, specifically the Psalms. I hope you've grown in your prayer life over the past several weeks, and I hope these messages have encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Now we're going to wrap up our series today by looking at another one of David's Psalms. This is Psalm 37. So if you have your Bible with you or your your phone or your tablet, please go ahead and turn to Psalm 37 and then you can just hold your spot. Now Psalm 37 has 40 verses, so it's a longer psalm. In fact, I think it's the longest psalm that we've looked at, but there's a lot of great material packed into this, this psalm. If there was a theme song that would help you remember Psalm 37... I think it would probably be this song. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. All right, well, that's all I'm going to give you of that this morning. But this is a fitting song and message for this psalm. And some of the other lyrics in the song are, Ain't got no place to lay your head, don't worry, be happy. If the landlord says your rent is late, he may have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. And the song ends with these lyrics. Don't worry, it'll soon pass. Whatever it is, don't worry, be happy. I'm not worried, I'm happy. This is the kind of song that just makes you smile. Whatever your day has been like, you hear this song, it brings a smile to your face. Now, this isn't a song that was written from the Bible. I think we all know that, but uh, you can see that it does have a spiritual flavor to it. Uh, This song became Bobby McFerrin's biggest hit. And what we remember most about this song is the phrase, don't worry, be happy. Well, David is the most prominent author in the Psalms, especially in these first 41 Psalms. If his psalms had a signature descriptive phrase, I think it would be this. Don't worry, be trusting in the Lord. Don't worry, be trusting in the Lord. Now, this isn't as catchy as don't worry, be happy, but it does carry a lot more weight and truth to the thought. Don't worry, be trusting in the Lord. This reminds us that God is our anchor. He's our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. 
David wrote Psalm 37 later in life. So he was a lot more mature in life and in faith. And in this psalm, he addresses the age-old questions of why do the righteous seem to suffer while the wicked seem to prosper? We don't talk that way anymore, but I think a question that we've all heard many times is this. Why do bad things seem to happen to good people and why do good things seem to happen to bad people? Now that question is, is not a very good question from a theological standpoint, but the first question is an important question that God's people have asked throughout the generations. Why does God allow his people to suffer while others seem to succeed? In Psalm 37, David is writing about the the covenant and promise that God made with Israel that's recorded in Leviticus chapter 26 and Deuteronomy 27 through 30. See, God had made a covenant, a promise with his people that if they would follow his instructions and obey his commands, they could live in the land that God had given them, enjoying all of his blessings. But if they continued to disobey his instructions and commands, he would first discipline them in the land by allowing enemy invasion, drought, and famine. And then second, if they continued to rebel, God would then remove them from the land. Now, this sounds really harsh, but we have to remember, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. So the land was God's to give and it was his to take away. Now, from the Israelites' perspective, It seemed like the people who were opposed to God the the most were the ones prospering and that God wasn't doing anything about it. In fact, this is something we see all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 12, verse 1, he said, Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. So let me bring you this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? God's people... Uh, the faithful ones, could have responded to this age-old question and frustration in a number of ways. They could have chosen to be worried and anxious about what others had and what they didn't have. They could have left the land that God had given them, trying to make it on their own without God. Or they could have remained faithful, trusting that God would keep his word. Now, like any mature believer who's been through a lifetime of struggles and suffering, Uh, David took this opportunity to address this important question. And he did so by reminding God's people to stand firm on God's promises and to wait on God's timing, you know, remaining faithful, even in a season of waiting. In Psalm 37, David gives four encouraging assurances to believers who question why God does what he does. This morning, we're going to talk about this psalm and look at it in four sections, highlighting these four truths and assurances. What's amazing about Psalm 37 is that you can apply these truths to your life today, regardless of the season or situation you might be in. So if you're taking notes, the first assurance that David writes about is this, that God can be trusted. God can be trusted. We see this assurance in the first 11 verses. So starting in verse 1, David writes, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make Your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. 
Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. So in these first 11 verses, David shares one negative instruction and four positive instructions, all assuring God's people that God can be trusted. The one negative instruction is this. David says, don't fret. Don't fret. We see this in verses 1, 7, and 8. He says, don't fret because of evil men. In verse 7, don't fret when men succeed in their ways. And then in verse 8, don't fret. It leads only to evil. And the Hebrew word for fret means to burn or to get heated up. He's saying, don't get heated up because of evil men. Don't get heated up when people succeed in their ways. Don't get heated up. It it leads only to evil. David's message is this, cool down and continue to keep cool. And there's so much evil and sin in the world that we see every single day. As Christians, we should be angry about evil and sin, but we shouldn't allow that anger to control us, getting to the point where it turns into sin itself. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, in the context of Psalm 37, David is saying, Don't envy or want another person's life or what they have, especially those who are living only for themselves and not for God. Because envy leads to fretting, and fretting that, that, that being heated up, that leads to anger. If we don't control our anger, if it's not dealt with, it'll control you and it'll lead to sin. So instead, be assured that God can be trusted. So the one negative instruction here is don't fret. Don't don't get heated up. And then he gives us four positive instructions. Uh, Number one, trust in the Lord. Number two, delight in the Lord. Number three, commit yourself to the Lord. And number four, rest in the Lord. Let's talk about these instructions individually just real quick. Verse three says, trust in the Lord and do good. You know, friends, a fretful heart is not a trusting heart because it lacks joy and peace. The New Testament book of James reminds us that faith and works go together. So we should look for ways to do good while we wait on the Lord. And while we trust in the Lord, it's important that we're not just sitting on the couch. I think sometimes Christians say, oh, just trust in the Lord. And, and we don't do anything with that faith and with that trust. You know, we were made for good work, so we should be doing something with our faith. So trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, this word delight means wanting to know God better and wanting to be satisfied in him above all else. When this verse says, and he will give you the desires of your heart, this isn't a promise for people who want more things. It's important to understand that. It's a, it's a promise for people who want more of God in their lives. So as you align your life with God's will, with his purposes and, and plans, your desires begin to line up with his desires. So delight in the Lord. Verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Uh, the verb commit means to roll off your burden. 
And this is what the Apostle Peter wrote about in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, when he said, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Instead of submitting to circumstances, regardless of what they are, we should submit to God, who can take the worry away and replace it with a kind of peace that only he can give. He can give greater faith in a season where it's easy to not have any. You know, God loves and and cares about you, and he wants you to find your security in him, not in the circumstances of this world. So commit yourself to the Lord. And then finally, verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. David is saying, be silent and be still. Be silent and be still. You know, this is pretty rare these days. When was the last time you were intentionally silent and still before God, waiting for his leading in your life? You know, with the world literally at our fingertips uh, through our phones and and other devices and every movie and show on demand that that we could ever want, I think it's easy to go throughout an entire day without being silent and still. Even at church, you know, we have music, movement, and sounds throughout the entire service. Finding rest in the Lord, being silent and still as we wait for his leading, this is so important if we're going to experience his peace as we see evil and sin all around us, instead of fretting and allowing that to turn into sinful anger, let's be reminded to find our rest in God, trusting in his goodness and justice. So rest in the Lord. All of these instructions, you know, the one negative and the four positive, they assure us that God can be trusted. So assurance number two, if you're taking notes, that is God understands your situation. God understands your situation. David writes about this in verses 12 through 20. He says, The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at him, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their sword will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed, and they will go up in smoke. I've been reading a commentary from Warren Wearsby throughout this entire series, and I think my favorite quote this week that I read was this. um, Since God can be trusted, we should not fret. And since God understands our situation, we should not fear. These verses, uh, verses 12 through 20, they assure us that God understands our situation. Uh, David uses some intense language here. In these verses, specifically about the wicked. In verse 12, he says, The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. Verse 14, he says, The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But thankfully, David also highlights God's response to the wicked. Verse 13 says, But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. And verse 17 says, For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. And then verse 18, this is where we see this second assurance. This is where this comes from. Verse 18 says, The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, 
and their inheritance will endure forever. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord. You know, there's so much more to this verse than God simply knowing about what's going on in your life. See, David is reminding God's people that that God is involved in our lives, and he cares about even the smallest of details in our lives. God understands your situation, but even more than that, he's involved in your life, and he cares for you on a daily basis. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who cares for me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You know, friends, when you're tempted to question why God does what he does, be assured that he understands your situation and is involved in your life, caring for you every moment of every day. Assurance number three, if you're taking notes, God blesses his people. God blesses his people. This assurance is found in Psalm 37, verses 21 through 31. David writes, The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. Wrongdoers uh, will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts. Their feet do not slip. So the assurance here is that God blesses his people. We see that all throughout uh, these verses. So how does God bless his people? Well, specifically, uh, verses 21 and 22, God blesses us by meeting our daily needs. We've talked about this so many times. It's such an important truth to build our lives on. We have a perfect provider. Our heavenly father is a perfect parent, a perfect provider. And then verses 23 and 24, God blesses us by protecting us. Verses 25 and 26, God blesses us with his presence. Jesus said, it's better for me to go away so that the comforter, the counselor would come. You know, in Christ, we have the promised gift of God, the Holy Spirit. Verses 27 and 28, God blesses us by showing us which path to take. You know, the Psalms tell us there's two paths in life. There's the path of the wicked and the path of the righteous. And when we follow the counsel of God's word, He leads us down the path of the righteous. And then finally, God blesses us with godly wisdom through his word. We we have the world's wisdom and we have godly wisdom that's available in his word. As we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and apply God's word to our life, we pray for wisdom. God gives us that wisdom. This entire section of Psalm 37 is an assurance that God blesses his people. Now, when we look at each of these verses individually, Um, we start to see that being blessed by God has a lot less to do with what happens to us and a lot more to do with what's happening in us and through us. It has a lot less to do with the price tag of our belongings and more to do with the person that we are becoming. 
David is assuring us that God blesses his people, but as we experience and receive his blessings, we should do so with an eternal perspective. His blessings remind us, don't worry, be trusting in the Lord. The fourth and final assurance that we're going to look at this morning is this. God will not abandon his people. God will not abandon his people. Um, David shares this assurance in verses 32 through 40. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, intent on putting them to death. But the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxuriant native tree. But he soon passes away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace. But all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. The salvation of the righteous come from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Friends, a common theme that we see throughout the Psalms is that the faithful, the the righteous, are always under threat from the wicked. And we live in a world where the wicked attack the righteous. But the faithful can trust that God will never abandon them. We can trust that God will never abandon us. In this final section, assurance comes from the truth that God will never abandon his people to the power and schemes of the wicked. Specifically, verses 32 and 33 is where we see this assurance. David writes, The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, intent on putting them to death. But the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked or let them be condemned when brought to trial. What an amazing promise. You know, there's so much great truth packed into Psalm 37. In fact, we're barely even scratching the surface this morning. So I want to encourage you to reread this psalm in your own time this week. And as you do, look for these four assurances, these four truths that David gives us, that God can be trusted. God understands your situation. God blesses his people, and God will never abandon his people. These four encouraging assurances remind us, don't worry, be trusting in the Lord.